You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. But before the after the show discussion this week, we were, ta- we were talking fry. about vocal fry. <laughs> vocal fry is... What is it exactly? Definition? I do not know, but I can give you an example as if I'm talking and then I do this thing or I like drop it down, not like really dropping down into a low voice and keeping it open, but dropping it down. So I sound like I'm sort of tortured and difficult and I've had a really hard time. Well, almost well, like my thyroid is acting up. That's what a thyroid voice sounds like. They uh, make fun of it on the Howard Stern show quite often. Anybody who's got a ridiculous case of it. And they looked it up online about vocal fry, and um, psychologist studies show that the majority of people who are affected by it, who actually choose to do it, actually, not affected by it, because it's not, you choose to do it. Yeah. Are people, Unless you have a thyroid problem or throat problem. Right, but if you don't, and you're just actually doing it, the majority of people they did the survey and test on were people who are not quite as intelligent as they want to be. And they think it makes them sound more intelligent. Oh my god! That was that was what they. That's think our assessment. Up. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, I have to disagree because that's not fair to the people who do it. No, I mean that was the uh, when they asked a load of people what you know, lots of people what it was. That that was the. That's people saying shit. The, the, yeah, there was well the people who do it. They say they say why do you do it? And they say well, I think it makes me sound sexy or intelligent or something other than what I am. Normally. Okay. Like, I might have a really high-pitched voice, so I try and do that to make it So what it sound... is it when somebody does this That's and talks like, like that? I know what that is. That is, I want to appear really cute. And dumb. And childlike. So you have no expectations of me, even if I'm a rocket scientist. Which is like... And then if I do this with the vocal fry, I sound like a real freak. Like um, <laughs> Hugh Hefner's... There's a couple of... Like, one of the blonde girls especially... On Howard did, Stern did that voice that kind of cutesy uh, oh all the time yeah Japanese ladies do that high pitched voice a lot because it, they think some Japanese it, ladies yeah but I mean it's a it's a thing in Japanese society that voice like, uh-huh. yeah that and that is because it's attractive to men because as we know Japanese <laughs> culture they're attracted to young girls not all of them not that's everybody not fair. In, I just said Japanese culture I know but there's that's a, not fair to no say there's, that. A, there's a thing in Japanese culture not every single man, but it is a thing. That's why when you look at anime, it's all, and I mean all, you've seen anime. Not all, but okay. Either. You're exaggerating. They're all, they're high school, they wear their high school outfits. Uh, even in the mech ones, they're really young girls. Like, they don't look like all. I don't women. think this is fair to say, because I'm sure if I went to Japan and interviewed two million people, they wouldn't all What say, I mean is there's a reason behind... Uh, anime having all, lots, lots and lots and lots of series, comics, mangas with very young girls who show the panties. It's a really common thing. And in, talk like this? <laughs> I have that really high-pitched voice and, and do the thing with the fingers like they'd been really cute. And how is that related to the Darla voice, as we like to call it? That the is, is, I think, at some point, somebody said that was a sexy... Marilyn Monroe talked like that when she was trying to be cute and sexy. Mm, I don't remember she that. She put on the cute boop boop beep, kind of um, 
thing. I've seen a lot of interviews with her, never heard that, but... In movies. In some movies, but that was a character. The character, right. So that the reason of that is men find that attractive. Right? Do you? No, but then some... men don't. Some men <laughs> said, oh, I love it when a woman talks like she's 14 years old or whatever. I don't know what it is. It's, it's like weird. fantasize about screwing a 14-year-old exactly. girl. Exactly. It comes down to that, doesn't it? I think. Like, so, so if you know anybody who talks like this... In fact, here's a, here's a fine example motivation? of this. You showed me a advertisement this week. Ugh. A real advertisement that actually From proves 70s. that theory, That people... It was a Love's Baby Soft, which if anybody remembers... And it may still exist, but I don't know. It was like a, a round bottle with the curved top. And I'm not saying anything, but everyone always said it was phallic. Always. Because it was just... It looked like it could turn into a Vibrate. vibrator at any time. And it was for little girls. It's this pink, sweet-smelling perfume collection. You can get powder. I had it when I was a girl and everything. The advertisement, however, shows a little girl, about six years old, with makeup on and her hair. And she's got a little teddy bear. And it's got the Love's Baby Soft stuff sitting next to her. And above it, it says, because we all know innocence is sexy. It was slightly freaky. Oh, it it looked like freakish. something. It looked like something from some weird movie to me. And I was like, you were like, no, it's real. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> that's like, whoa. Whoa, do you hear my vocal fry? Oh. Uh. <laughs> so that's enough of the voice, analyzing cultures, analyzing advertising, and now and on making the show. Ma- me making mass general- <laughs> generalizations against yes, the whole Yes, your of generalizations, um, which is like so, so lame. Welcome to the after the show. <laughs> <laughs> that it. didn't fit into any category of anything that we have been discussing. I think it was a bit like Gollum or something. After the show, I think I'll just talk like this the whole time. So it is Saturday, July the 9th, and this is after the show number four hundred and thirty-five. The movie we're looking at this week is the Divergent series, Allegiant. The third movie in the Divergent series, two thousand and sixteen movie. It's actually released this Tuesday, July the twelfth. You can pick it up then. It's a PG-13 from our friends at Lionsgate. And Sid Talk, you'll give us the synopsis. Sisses. The synopsis. It's a third movie. Allegiant. It's a third movie in the Divergent series. Uh, the overarching story is there's a city that used to be divided into five factions. Everybody has their own thing, like you're passive or you're intelligent or you're a dickhead or you're aggressive. Local <laughs> fry is one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're all divided by your voices and whether or not it's tolerable. Uh, it could have been in there somewhere. And then over time, we have this young girl who has proven to be divergent, which means she didn't fit any category. Now she's helped to break break free of all this oppression. And the city was surrounded by a wall, which sounds an awful lot like a TV show we've been watching lately. Wayward Pines. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And... Now, of course, we moved on to the section of the story where we're breaking past the wall and seeing what's out there, and it's got to be something, and then somebody's out there who may or may not be very, very bad. All good. And so, that's it, may or may not be very bad. So, that's what this one, that's, what, that's where we're at an hour, going past the wall. All right, so we have seen and reviewed the other two Divergent series movies, uh, Divergent and Insurgent, and now Allegiant. And next year, Ascendant. So, we have a history with these movies. I would like to say, I enjoyed the Hunger Games movies. People say, oh, Hunger Games, so lame. I read the books, I enjoyed the movies. But I actually enjoy this series, um, Divergent, a little bit more than I do Hunger Games. When I was watching it today, I was like, there's a bit more meat on the bones of this one, in terms of a sci-fi kind of story, than the Hunger Games 
because the Hunger Games really is about a, a, rev, a uprising revolution. This is also, but there's a there's a lot more going on in this that interests me, and I think I'm just kind of susceptible to very very sci-fi-ish stuff, you know. And this, I like the other two movies. Did you like the other two? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we actually said recommended them on this show. So Allegiant, th- the third movie in the series. There's actually four. Like I said, um, this was s- this la- final book was split into two movies, like they did with the Hunger Games. And now I thought that this movie would be all set up for a final movie, and there wouldn't be much to this movie because they just you know there'd be a lot of lovey-dovey story and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a hell of a lot goes on in this movie and a lot of interesting stuff. I said to you after it had finished that this is my favourite in the series so far. I went and had a look, and most people think it isn't. Like they, it was their least favourite. Um, that would be me. But for me, I like this one a lot, and you know why I like this mm-hmm. one. Because the, you have bad taste. Yeah, it's quite a bit different to the last one, because it it it's really sci-fi-ish. They've added like a lot of sci-fi elements to this one. As if an entire city that's been kept inside of a wall isn't sci-fi Right, but enough. once you get outside this wall, it kind of goes somewhere else. Like, like there's, you know, spoilers. V- flying vehicles and crazy technology. <gasps> that does sound futuristic, because we don't have any flying vehicles. Yeah, this guy has a tablet, like a mean- tablet <laughs> PC, and he uses it to do stuff. There's that, and there's... um. VR technology that's been invented. There's drones. we've never heard of. Yeah, all that stuff's right up my alley. So there was a lot of that stuff which I really digged about this movie. Uh, It's kind of like the stuff we imagine, but like really, you know, 200 years later. It's 200 years in the future, by the way. So I liked the aesthetic and how... I was surprised, actually. I didn't know exactly what was going to be outside the wall. Because the final shot of the last movie was, oh look, now we can leave. And it showed you the camera panned up, but you didn't really see what was outside the wall. So the promise of, there's going to be something outside the wall in the next movie and you're going to find out, was actually delivered in this movie. They didn't wait till the final movie, they delivered it in this movie. And now we're set up for something else in the final movie. So I enjoyed it in that way because I think the third movie in the Hunger Games franchise when they decided to split that into two movies. I think that third movie is super... Like, there's not a lot going on in it. I found it the most boring of those movies, and then the final movie I really enjoyed, and the one before it, Catching Fire, that's my favourite one. But that third movie, I felt like it slowed down, and it was kind of almost unnecessary. You could have done it all in a three-hour final movie instead of two two two-hour ones. But this one, it didn't feel like a waste of time, Allegiant. It felt like... There's a whole story to tell in a two-hour movie here, and then there's another whole story to tell in another two-hour movie, if you know what I mean. Not, oh, we've split it up just to make more money. More, there's a lot to tell here. Now, there's a line in this movie, if you remember, where they out, it's a, almost a fourth-wall-break thing, where they say to the audience, hey, after this point, it might not be like the books anymore. What, what's the actual <laughs> phrase? It's not like reading it in a book, is it's it? It's not like reading it in a book, yeah. And, and I said to you, oh, I bet that's a, a nod to the book readers who are all going to say in a minute, hey, what are you doing? This is all different now. Because this movie is quite a lot different to the book. They invented a lot of things to make it more visually interesting, I believe. You know, the flying things and the technology. 
the the book is from what I understand what I just read I've not read these books is less technology based this civilization so I think they invented something to look amazing on the screen so what do you think <laughs> what did you think of the story of Allegiant did you did I had to take my shirt off because I'm so is hot. it better is it I'm just breaking the fourth wall here to everyone breaking the fourth mm. I had to take it off I'm a sports bra on so hot they can't see you they don't care Oh, they gotta care. Talk about the movie. I'm suffering here. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna drop an octave and to go into my vocal fry. Uh, I enjoyed it because I feel like it's now. I am having a um, I don't know. Five years ago, ten years ago, I started hating the concept of oh, we're gonna do a series of movies now. Therefore, you. You have to compare them and link them, and they all have to be dependent on one another. I hated it, because I don't ever see movies like that. I never have, right. I never will. I don't see Star Return Wars. of the Jedi as part of New Hope. Not at all. It's all separate things. They just happen to be continuing a story. But individual movies... Your cup is so noisy. <laughs> your new cup has a sucky sound. He has this brand new cup. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's perfect, right? Because it keeps your water cold all day. But it has this little sucky sound. You know what it reminds me of? A children's sippy cup. When you suck the water through the little hole, it's like... Like a little child. Again, nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> Keep on I like topic. To, I like to bring them into the real world here. Um, so I didn't like that. I didn't like the concept of that at all. Because I'm not like that. I don't look at one painting by an artist by an artist and then look at the one that they did 10 years later and go oh well but 10 years ago they used blue in such a different way than they do in this one none of that bullshit i like art in case you don't know so i didn't like that now over the last 10 years this has become a thing since lord of the rings series and series and series of movies and we're not talking about a franchise where you have a couple of sequels like Die Hard or something like that. Those aren't the same kind of connectedness. You mean more I'm talking like the about Marvel where they movies. plan a 20 year fucking event of we're going to make one movie now and in three years and three years and three years so we can just keep sucking you into our story instead of charging you for one movie ticket or one Blu ray, we're going to charge you for five. Like, I hate that shit. I think it's boring. I think it's lazy. I think it's greedy. However, all of that said, now that I'm watching certain ones that I do like as a whole big story, Hunger Games, this. Marvel? Um, I don't see that as one big story, no. You do because you... It you is. Class- it isn't to me, though. So that's it's different. I can watch all of them separately, and that's fine. Um, it's like you with the X-Files. You watch all the X-Files, and you think of the big overarching story. I don't even remember the story. I only remember individual bits and pieces. Right. Individual monster of the week kind of stories. So I'm not... I don't I guess, see things that way. I guess thinking of that, The X-Files is where that kind of thing start. Most TV shows were separate, singular, weren't they? You could watch... And then The X-Files started that No, thing. they didn't start, I don't think. A lot of stories, a lot of movies, I mean, TV shows like, had that. Like, well, we are going to have loads of singular episodes, but occasionally we will dip back into this big story. I don't think they invented it, but... Hmm. Um... So all of that being said, I'm enjoying this whole story. I've never read the books. I probably never will because I don't read a lot of books. So I'm in it now as in I started watching from the first movie and I'll be watching until the last and I will be... It's like I'm waiting for next week's episode. I can't judge it all until I've seen it all. And 
I'm going to have to put this in its own category. It doesn't apply to all movies. It doesn't mean that all the Star Wars still doesn't fit in one thing to me. So each individual Star Wars movie, each individual Star Trek movie, they're all still going to be separate. They do not link together to me. But something like this, for some reason, my brain, that's how it's going to work. So for this, I enjoyed this one. The first one has been the best part of the story for me because I like origin stories better than resol resolution stories. Right. You know, the ho the hero part of the story where everybody rises up. So and, do I. But you know. for some reason, the subject matter of this one But that to me, me is what made it less interesting. It's really boring to me to watch them fly across a landscape that looks like shit. And I know you don't think it did, but it did. It looked like crap. So much of the CGI and the blue screen stuff looked so bad. I mean, it was blurry. I mean. It didn't. To be, to, to be completely honest, though, all of these movies, including the Hunger Games movies as well... I know, but I'm talking about this one. I'm not, no, I mean all of these movies, including the first two, had bad CG because there's a certain... No, the first one of this didn't have a lot because it didn't need a lot. It didn't need to go outside the wall and show me a world that just doesn't look very good. It looks like a lazy representation of what we're supposed to kind of sort of be convinced that was it's a nuclear winter kind of a situation however there are people living out there and that was one of my favorite like parts. still living out there i don't i'm not arguing with the part about people living in a nuclear winter a post-nuclear apocalypse kind of situation like mad max which they also i think tried to pull a bit of that a little bit but it looked crappy it just looked bad it looked like oh i couldn't distract myself from it and that because the story wasn't capturing me constantly I was really focused on the what looked like I, I watch a lot of um, like Twilight Zone and you know that kind of stuff and old movies. I've watched a lot more old old movies than you were the old green screen or the old rear projection. I mean, thing. I've seen it that still stuff. looks yeah. like it looked like that to me, and I was like, Ugh. and you pointed out a couple of times when it, actually to you even looked crappy. So yeah. that was difficult. So I didn't like the mixing of the big modern technology and like. If they could have told the story and given me the scope of the damage without trying to shove this barren landscape down my throat and making it look like Evan and Costello go to Mars, <laughs> which it kind of did, that would have really made it better. But that, combined with the fact that I didn't really care about this section of the story, I think gassing the whole city, again, spoilers, is really lame. It's like, why would you... Why would you think that's going to work? It's open air. It's not like you've trapped everybody in a room. I don't really care about this conflict between the two women in the city now. It seems kind of lame as well. Like, seriously? And then the, the trial was like watching a 1982 movie where the worst acting of the crowd is like, Kill him! No! Let him live! No! We need to kill him! Yeah, that it was, was really bad. So from the very beginning, I was like, Ugh! But so I'm still, I'm still interested in the story. And I still believe in Triss and Four. The whole gang couldn't care less about, really. But I care more about... I always have liked Four more than I have her. Just a tiny bit. And in this one, it was really unrealistic. Really. And we're talking about her choices in life. That we've known her in these stories. For her to make these choices she's making. It made no sense to me at all. Unless she was plotting and planning. And she wasn't. And I was like... This makes no sense. Has, has the, have the people who wrote this part of the story not seen the other movies or read the character before this? Because she's not... This doesn't make any sense. So all of that made it I never noticed any of that. But one thing... How did you not notice? She made a choice to do what she was doing 
based on absolutely nothing and to just go along with it where in the past all she's ever done is argue and not argue but I mean she's fought against what she could see they use the four character as uh, the um, skeptical guy in this one right he even said to her at one point do you trust this guy or you know like and she was like you know I don't know who to trust yes I do like I've been brainwashed and the writers have forgotten everything I've ever done up until this point to make me a heroine and now I'm nothing no, like I'm a mindless nothing. There was one subplot in this. Um, I enjoyed it overall, but there was one subplot. I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. In the middle of the <laughs> movie that I thought didn't work very well. And it was the subplot of Thor and Triss having this wedge drove between them that's kind of affecting the romantic relationship. It lasted for about three scenes, and I didn't really feel it. No. I was like, oh, no. okay, so oh now he's sat brooding on his own and, and maybe he'll go off with that other hot girl over there that was really but I, I, it felt so forced and then there's one scene of Tris just sat there saying oh I don't know I, I you know we, we feel like we're driving us apart like and I'm like it's been like 15 minutes like, <laughs> literally like you've just arrived there you're doing one thing Thor's doing another thing and you both feel like you've been yeah, driven they apart. Didn't, if they're going to make if it two was six movies, months later, if maybe. they're making two movies out of one book, they did not do anything in the area of character development. And maybe I'm overthinking it because it's just an action movie, you know, based on a somewhat interesting concept originally. And now we're losing, to me, the interesting part. Because really, the interesting part was to have a society where you literally test everyone genetically and intellectually, academically and emotionally and then you decide for them what group they have to live in for the rest of their life and they are represented in that group with a certain kind of clothing and a certain kind of house. That yeah. is an interesting thing to have if you'd threaded that through the entire movie in some way and just maintained it as in here's how it doesn't work and now we're making it so it does work, but then there's always going to be a reason for it not to work. That, to me, would be more interesting than we're going to break down that system. Oh, look, we found another bad system. We're going to break down that system. Oh, look, we're going to break down another bad system. And now we're going to have to go find another bad system because oppression never ends. But I did like... Even if Triss becomes the leader ever, like the big head leader, she's going to be a maniacal person. Or not maniacal, but she's going she's gonna mean- to be... Perceived by some. There's a couple of ways the ending can go, obviously, from most um, <laughs> endings, unless they really, really pull off something where you're like, oh my god, I you don't You mean the know. end of the whole story? Yeah, the end of the whole story. I mean, we've seen The Hunger Games, we know what happens at the end. There's one or two ways it can usually go, right? And it'll go one of yep. those two ways. And generally it'll go the one way, because nobody ever seems ballsy enough to go the other way. I've said that to you in the past. The way that... The audience, the uncrowd pleasing ending to a movie never generally happens, does it? Because they test it with audiences and audiences <laughs> go, You can't do that. No, that's terrible. You need to go the other way. So, you know, I don't know. But I, I, but I like- enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because I like the adventure and I'm I just like watching an episode of The X Files that I didn't really like. I'm still waiting for next week's episode. So, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's almost. I was thinking this while I was watching it. Because television's become so good these days, it equals or betters movies a lot. I mean, look at Game of Thrones. Definitely. Uh, On a week-to-week basis. It's like watching a movie every week. It's not like watching a TV show. I think even Preacher. Preacher as well. Equals a... Fargo or Dust Till Dawn, the series. You know, there's many... There's shows on TV now that are equal to movies in every respect. 
So now, like, it's almost old-fashioned now to watch these series of movies like this and have to wait a year to see another two hours of it. It almost feels to me like, like, now we got to wait two, another year to see the end of this? Like, oh, I don't with something like Game of Thrones, you get a resolution to something week by week, you know? So movies like this, where with big gaps in between them, it almost seems like... But see, that's another thing that I haven't... I haven't got to that point yet, because I couldn't give a shit if they don't make the last one or not. I couldn't care less. See, I hate that, too, when a series doesn't end it, like The Golden Compass or Narnia, where they make a few and then just quit. Like, I don't like that There's other things in your life. No, I mean, I just don't like the (laughs) idea of, like, you start in this series, you promise us in the first trailer, you know, you're going to... You're doing the Narnia series, and then you stop after the third movie. It's like... And he even you even stop at a cliffhanger. I don't like that. That's just a business thing, though, isn't it? It's like, oh, that one didn't make enough money. We don't make another one. But that's a, that's also an issue with franchise movies like this. You start them off, then people start to lose interest, and you might not actually finish Correct. them. Correct. So, um, and it is a new thing. But, uh, you know, it makes me wonder how... If the Divergent series wouldn't have worked better as a TV series and make it more in-depth... There's a lot more you can fill in the blanks. Dust Till Dawn, the series, is a big... How? Yeah, but that's not for everyone either. It's how you can improve on a movie, though, by having a lot more story because you've got more time. You know? This, could, this has to get to all the plot points quickly because you've only got there two hours. There aren't that many plot points, though. That's what, I don't call them plot points, but there aren't that many things to think about in this. There's a love story that may or may not work out. There's an oppressive regime in a city in a world that's had some destruction and of course there's going to be no other oppressive regime across the wall and that's it like there's nothing complicated about it right it's very simple very straightforward you don't have lots of divergent um you don't get like 10 characters that you're now following and really invested in and wanting to make sure like another spoiler somebody from the original crew doesn't make it i don't care I mean, in the moment, I was like, oh, but then I'm over it in about a half a second because I don't care. I'm not invested in these people. If they had been trying to do that, where you feel this full cast of, like, I'm invested in this person, I care about that person, that would also make it more, like, I don't know, a little more... I don't know, I was invested in. in that character and it kind of pissed me off. I was like, oh no, really? We going- weren't really. We- she, she was a tiny bit. I, I liked her a lot in the other movies and I liked the actress. Liking and I- a her character is different than actually, you don't know anything about her except she's made one choice that affected our main character. Yep. And that's it. You don't know anything about but her. But I thought, you know, it set up that we were having an adventure with these people and then one of them is not <laughs> in, the, in the adventure anymore. Uh, and I was like, oh, that is the, you know, that's one of the people I'd like to have seen in this adventure. I could have lost one of the others, actually. Um, so, yeah, let's go on to the cast. So, Shailene Woodley plays Triss again. What do you think? Do you think she's improved? Do you think she has grown into this character? I think she definitely has improved since the first time. I mean, it's years later, isn't it, of her being this person. Actress. But in the extras, when they talk about... They're just, like, overthinking these characters. These characters have no personality traits. Let's be very straightforward here. The only one who has a standout personality trait is the jerky drummer boy, right? Who's kind of Mr. Mouthy, kind of Mr. Suave, Mr. Cheeky. You don't know if he's going to be a bad guy or a good guy, and he's quite mouthy. Now, that's the strongest personality trait we have of anyone. Triss is only, only a character because of her choices. We don't ever have her... 
She's kind of brooding and quiet, but so is Four, and so is her brother, and so are her parents. And so and is so Christina. Are, so are the main ladies. I mean, even Kate Winslet and the mother, they're not exactly like bold, quirky I, I thought Kate Winslet kind of... Um, it was all just because it. of her, but it was very blank. Yeah. She was bitchy and driven. Spoiler, Kate Winslet's not in this movie. <laughs> Correct. Uh... But nobody has a bold thing. So this young lady, Tris, there's nothing really... She, If you think about it, what scenes is she... She's very calm when she talks to him. She's very calm when she talks to David. She's very calm when she talks to her brother. She doesn't show loads of emotions. She doesn't get... Even when she's figured out she's duped, she just has that look on her face like, Oh, well... Now what? I mean, there's nothing... So I don't know if she's gotten better anymore. I would like to see her a little more animated, maybe. I, I realize she's been through a lot of shit, and yeah. she's kind of worn down, but I mean, there's no vibrancy about her at all. So I'd like to see that come back a little bit. Uh, yeah, and I, I like her. I've not seen her in anything else apart from these Divergent movies, so I can't really comment Probably on Probably they've got a hook in her for now, wouldn't Yeah, you until think? it's over, yeah, and then she'll be in other stuff. Then she'll be in some other thing. Maybe. Or maybe she'll do a Jennifer Lawrence and get out of it and go do other movies. So, um, Theo James plays four. British actor, who is not British. It always <laughs> throws me when he's in the extras. You know, what really annoys me is when you go, when he's on the, in the extras, and you go, oh, it always it always throws me when he speaks English. I'm like, Instead of off. American English. He speaks English all the time. It's not English just because he has a British accent. American English. English. No. It's you have English. a different language than English. So does every other... No, we don't. Yeah, I mean, you have different spellings. It's you not have a different, different language. Pronunciations. It's not a different language. It's colloquial. So there is English. And American English. No, there is English. Don't be a snob. We're the English. You're no. the American English. No, you're the English, and we all speak English. And you speak it with a British accent. Don't pretend you're better than us. We are much better. No, you're not. Our blood is richer. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be two words coming out of my mouth in a second that the viewers and the listeners are not going to like. Because they love you, I'm sure, more than me. Are the words, love English? <laughs> love the English? <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> they are not. All right, so uh, next, uh, Theo James. You didn't... You, you, what do you think of him? Do you like him? I like him better. I get more attached to him as it, I go it's along. It's a bit, for me, I like him, right? It's a bit broody. But it's also a bit too, we need a muscly heartthrob for yeah. teenage girls to fall in love with. It, and they kind of play on that a lot, where, oh, he's so sweet, he's so handsome, he's so hunky, he's so brave. Yeah. It's a bit too much for me, a bit. Uh, it's not the actor's fault, it's the, the way they do the character. True, because I like him. I, yeah. It makes me want to see him in other things. Naomi Watts plays Evelyn again. Don't like um, I never have liked Naomi Watts that much, really. Maybe in a couple of things. What movie but... was she in that she was excellent in? It wasn't King Kong. Hmm. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. Yeah, she was one. in one movie, that, at least True. one movie where she was excellent. But I don't. In this movie, she don't do nothing for me. No. She didn't in the last one. And either. she doesn't. There's nothing wrong with her. No. It's the characters. It's bland. like between her and the other lady, who are supposed to be the heads of the two factions now. I did so prefer speak. Kate Winslet to. Naomi Watts. Mm, Kate Winslet yeah. kind of drew me in. She does. Kate Winslet. She's a little more severe. Yeah. And this lady's kind of... The character is... 
She's not fired up. She's not anything. She's also her making the decision there in the beginning with the trials, quote unquote. Yep. That doesn't make sense either. None of that makes sense. These writers are off their fucking heads. Like whoever wrote that, it doesn't make sense when you think of the whole situation. Not at all. Like we haven't been led to believe. Explain that what she the trials is. it. What, what? Well, the trials are the people from the previous movies who were the assholes. Are up for trial now, and the crowd starts yelling, Kill him! No! Don't kill him! No! Kill him! No! Don't kill him! It's literally, it sounds that bad. It does sound like that, yeah. It sounds terrible. And she has no backbone, and she lets this trial go on where it's basically just public executions. And that doesn't make sense. This movie has never been... She, at least from the time we've met her, that's not been her agenda. I mean, yeah, she's pissed off and she wants to take over, but it's never been... Well, he does address it with her. He says, like... Somebody said something to her about, you're just becoming another Janine. Like... Yeah, but she's not. It's not even that. Because Janine didn't do that either. She was very separate from it. She was very above it all. And she had a... A clear-cut plan and a reason, even though they sucked, but a reason for, like, mass killings and, like, terrifying people and the brute force that they used. It was a system. Naomi Watts' character, she was the rebel leader, in case anybody doesn't know. So now she's kind of in charge, but she's got this other rebel leader lady, and now they're against each other. It just was too fast. It didn't make sense. It just wasn't drawn out enough. And so her character, unfortunately, got chewed up in the meat grinder of bad storytelling. And talking of the other rebel leader, Octavia Spencer plays Joanna. I dislike that character a lot. I don't know why. Just dislike the character and yeah, the portrayal too. of the character. It's just you yeah. mean the wishy-washy lady. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. So um, Jeff Daniels is the new addition to this movie, and he plays David. He plays it like a creepy guy Good. who wants. Might to... have been the best thing in it. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, Kate Winslet. You know, his the... character is too. Ugh. Yeah, Kate Winslet was this cold um, figure of authority who was a bad, but and he's the like a male, but, but he's, he's not got cold. another. No, he's got this other. He has charisma. Side to him. Yeah. I mean, you might not even think he's a bad guy at first. You might... Spoilers. <laughs> but uh, it turns out he is. So uh, Zoe Kravitz is back as Christina. I really like her. Yeah, but she's nothing in this movie. She plays the... Um, <laughs> what I equate her to, if you've watched The Hunger Games, is Natalie Dormer's character in The Hunger Games. Natalie Dormer's character's got a bit more to her because she's this journalist, this war journalist. Whereas she's tough, war journalist... Zoe Kravitz is just tough. That's all she... She's tough, right? She can shoot a gun yeah. and she will answer you back. Like she, like when she sits on the guy's knee and she's just yeah. like, I'm a tough chick. Fuck you. Like she, That's what she is. I like her, Zoe Kravitz, but there is definitely more. That's one of the problems with this. They, they don't flesh out the characters enough. Exactly. If I'd cared about her, it would yeah. only take a, like one scene of understanding a person better. And if, you, if you're relying on me something. remembering the last two movies and hearing her story, then that's not going to work because I need you to keep me interested every single time. I also didn't... I honestly, when they showed us the little flashback of the mother as mm-hmm. a kid, totally pointless. That whole sequence, we do it twice. Yeah. Because now we see them going again to get stranger children, strange other children. And that... It was a total waste of like ten minutes. I thought anyway. It didn't. It didn't mean Interesting anything. Interesting technology. Not really. Used. Not compared to the other technology. Um, Miles Teller plays Peter. 
He's the guy from Whiplash, who you'll know him as. He's a very good actor. We've seen Whiplash. It's fantastic. His character's obnoxious. It doesn't fit anything either, but... He's just this jokey... He's funny. I must admit, I laughed a few times at what he said. I generally hate the jokey character. I was a little embarrassed at you, but whatever. At the beginning, it was quite... I thought he was pretty funny. Like Just right at the beginning, then it kind of wore thin, because everything he said was a joke. Correct. But, um, you know, there's some twists and turns with his character... I think Not because just, of him, though. I think, like, a lot of the things in this movie, including the special effects, are, and it's serviceable for the story. Cool. It doesn't feel like they went to any extra lengths to do some things. They just did them as well as I feel like well they did a lot of could. takes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, and I have no confirmation on and that, but... Finally, Maggie Q was Tori. Um, we all know Maggie Q, and... Uh, she, any, anything to say about her in this movie? I, I like her. She wasn't long enough to say anything, unfortunately. Um, one of the big stars of this movie, I thought, and this is uh, not a star with a name specifically, is the music. Now, the music, and I said right from the very beginning, is very Tron-like. It's quite clear. It's that kind of sci-fi... It's, it didn't start with Tron. There's been music like... But it is very, very Tron. I listen to that Tron soundtrack a lot. And that dun-dun-dun-dun... It's almost the Terminator as well is another track that it reminded me of. But I thought the music was fantastic throughout. It's um, this orchestral score that really so- makes you... F- it makes it feel more futuristic than it, than it actually is visually. It adds to the scenes. I think the uh, action scenes, which sometimes the action scenes are not actually... There's not that much going on. There's one scene where they're climbing up the wall... I think it is actually more exciting because of the music. I agree. If it was, if there was none of that music, it wouldn't. And she puts a, a grenade on a thing. There's not really much to that scene, but and with the music, too, it like, felt big. Well, like. I didn't. Uh, that little plan there seemed to make no sense, and then the outcome was like, what? In two seconds, she thought of that. That True. doesn't make sense. Um, I'm overthinking it. But well, the music is really. You know what good. happens when I am not that interested in a movie is that I start overthinking the bits and pieces because I can overlook a lot like tonight we're gonna watch <laughs> House of Dracula from probably like 1955 or something on Spanguli I will overlook a lot because it will probably be really weird and campy and old fashioned and really lame and yet I will enjoy it thoroughly but when I'm not enjoying the movie any little thing makes me go oh well that just broke it for so me so you saying you didn't I did enjoy it right I just you... didn't think it was very and for me, it's my favourite one. I don't know why. I think Not it's a combination of the music, the actual sci-fi um, uh, design of it, because there is a really cool. I think the I think the um, vehicle design and the city design is really, really. It speaks to me in a way. Like the, like I said to you, there's one a movie that I'm going to recommend this week, which also was a lot better than it actually was because I like the design of it. Tron is another movie. Tron Legacy is not the greatest script and movie, <laughs> no. but because of the aesthetic, it just grabs me in a way. And that, that's what happened with this movie. So this is directed by Robert Schwen... Try and say that word. Don't know it. I saw it. I don't know it. Robert... Oh, Schwenke. Schwenke. You don't have to do the T, I don't think. Schwenke. He also directed Insurgent, and he also directed the movie with Jodie Foster called Flight Plan, which was an excellent movie, by the way. It was a good thriller set on a plane. Um, so what do you th- right. what do you think of this guy? I I like his direct. I think he's pretty slick, and that's what this movie needs, you know, because of because of what it is. And I um, think he did that with Flight Plan as well. He's good with the camera moves, like moving the camera. But they're not- evolving to be too slick for for it. I think. Yeah, but it kind of fit this movie because this movie was all about 
a but that was part of my problem thing. with it, so it didn't fit it. Unless saying that it's not a great movie, therefore the style also fits that. It's fine. That's fine. You're right. Well, I I like <laughs> I, I like his well whoever his director of photography. I like his camera moves. Yes, they are a bit Mad Max in the middle of the movie. Yes, they are a bit a little avatar in places uh, not to mention we have a guy with a mohawk and he's looking all weird with torn up clothes and like a vehicle that's almost Mad Maxi. yeah so yeah and also um, like I said to you during the movie the if you're in this filthy (laughs) they've, they've made these vehicles to cross like the wastelands to go and have a look and they have no doors. <laughs> and I was like, maybe you're going into like a filthy, possibly radioactive. Yeah, these people don't seem to care at why all about their no activity. <laughs> you need, what you actually need, I'll tell you, is a sealed compartment with air filtering. So you're all right. And you don't get that. Di- you don't die from radiation. You don't just hop out no. on the red dirt with the red brain falling that, on that your head. That seemed like an over- oversight to me. So, also um, overthinking. Extras on the Blu-ray, there are quite a few. If you're a fan of these kind of young adult novel adaptation movies... I gotta give it to these Lionsgate in general. They do give you a lot of extras and you can see behind the scenes a lot. There's a lot on here. Over two hours as it boasts on the front page. Actually says, you can tell they're telling this to the teens here. With hours of extras featuring Shailene, Theo, and more. You know? They're, they're, they're I think saying, that's for anyone who's a fan of the movie. Fans. So, yeah. Uh, there are a bunch of uh, Blu-ray extras. Basically, it's one... It's split into sections, but it's a making of that lasts nearly two hours. And um, it goes into everything, behind the scenes with everything. But here's the problem. When I don't really care about a movie, I don't really care about the extras. Right, but if you are a fan of this series, there's definitely stuff to see here. And you get to see the making of, how they did the special effects. There's an audio commentary with the director that you can also listen to. So it is a good package if you are a fan of these Divergent movies. The same as the other ones had a good extras package and all the Hunger Games movies did too so um, they always definitely pander to the fans with these series which I appreciate with the Blu-rays so in conclusion it is my favourite in the Divergent series I'm not so I, I actually do favour the Divergent series a little bit over the Hunger Games uh, and I'm looking forward to see what the next big young adult book that they make into movies is going to be um because I do like them in a kind of... I was going to say a guilty pleasure way, but I'm not guilty. No. I don't feel guilty. I feel like... They're not bad. Because they're, just they're not, not actually aimed at me, really. They're just really, really, as you say, functional. Functional, yeah. And not that... They don't go overboard and make them special... Like that extra extra mark that you go over, like The Force Awakens, to make it special. They don't actually go over that wall they just stay behind it and and it's functional and oh a wall are we talking about a wall yeah and you will have fun watching it but don't think oh this is going to be cutting edge special effects because it there's some holes in that you know holes in the wall kind of thing i get it so uh yeah i recommend it if you've watched the others and i am looking forward to seeing how this ends up i haven't been spoiled i don't know what the books don't know what happens in the books uh what about you do you uh, recommend or? Um, I recommend if you like this story. And you like the ones previous. Mm. I don't know who is going to come along and watch this one anyway. Who's not seen the others? I mean, True. it's pointless. Like, look how sweaty you are. You're in the middle <laughs> of a. Uh, I mean, why would you drop into this in the middle of it? Oh, because you're just watching. I mean, you you know. see it. You might. You might be at a friend's house and they get it. Would this work if you hadn't seen the other two? Could you put it together? Yeah. 
I don't think it's that deep just of a does, story. Just, do they kind of explain you don't need, it? It doesn't need to be explained because you. I get mean, when somebody's talking on. to somebody about like, oh, when used to all be split into groups, are you like, uh, I don't. Nah, it's not complicated. So no, I don't think you need to. All right, so even if it you, might be better, even if, if you've you not seen saw. the other two, check it out, see what you think. Um, start here and work backwards. How about that? <laughs> That'd be weird. So, um, yeah, thanks to Lionsgate. I recommend it. Um, you know, if you like this series, I recommend it. And if you want to enter a contest this week, you can win uh, James Franco's new uh, movie, The Adderall Diaries. Uh, I've got a Blu-ray contest going right now. You can win a copy. Next week's Blu-ray review, finally. I can't wait to see this one. It's uh, Batman vs. Superman, the uh, director's cut. It's like the three-hour-long director's cut. We haven't actually seen the theatrical cut, so it's our first time seeing Batman vs. Virgins. Su- We're virgins in this department. You know how huge fan of uh, Man of Steel I was, Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. I really like him. And I, Man of Steel, I loved it. So I'm Regardless of what all the other people said, you loved it. Yeah, I, I mean, I see Man of Steel is like a split thing. There's people who love it, people who hate it, but more the vocal majority hate it. And then they're all down on Zack Snyder from now on. So I'd be interested to see Batman vs. Superman. Movie recommendations. I am going on the theme of Allegiant, Insurgent, Divergent, Hunger Games, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to recommend the Hunger Games. Because that is a series that's finished. You can watch all four movies and you can see the whole story. I think it'll be excellent to watch it all in one go. Just a big marathon all the way through. And my other one's Oblivion with Tom Cruise. It's the, it's the the movie... That that director made, he made Tron Legacy, and then he went off and made Oblivion, another sci-fi film. And uh, it's got, you know, you can feel by the camera work and the way it's designed that it's the guy who made Tron. But it's a different story. It's got cool vehicle design, that's the thing I remember most from it. Uh, And it's Tom Cruise. The story's actually pretty decent. It's another kind of future, far-flung future story. So Oblivion and The Hunger Games. And mine are in relation in uh, sequence to the 2016 goal of telling you all the movies I've ever seen that I'm keeping track of on my list. And we are in the B's and we're up to Bad Santa, which you love. Bad, bad Taste. We watched Bad Santa we, this year. We also saw Bad Santa 2, didn't we? Or did we? No. That's Not coming yet. out this year. That is true. Yeah. Bad Santa, Bad Taste, which is Peter Jackson's like first movie. It's after up. It is. What a great premise. Bad Santa, Bad Taste, Bad Words, which we've seen with Justin. I was going to say Justin Bieber. Yeah, Justin Justin Bieber. Bieber. (laughs) Justin. Justin. Oh, what's his name? He ain't Justin. He's Jason. Jason Bateman. Yeah. That's it. Balto, which is an animated dog story. I don't know that one. It's good. It's cute. Bambi. Sad. Sad. And Bamboozled. Not sad, but kind of creepy. Spitely. You don't like Spike Lee, though. So. Didn't like that movie at all. It was just too much for me. Too much. <laughs> Anything. There hasn't been a Spike Lee film, has there? That, oh, yeah, there has. The battle, the St. Anna one. Yeah, I actually kind of like really that good. one. Yeah. No, that one's too much for me, Bamboozled. The Wayans brothers are in it. <laughs> so you don't like Spike Lee, <laughs> and you don't like the Wayans brothers. And it's so political. I mean, it's so... It's a message movie, isn't it? A, a race message movie. That? It's just too much. It's like slamming you in the face with Is it because you disagree? You you like to be racist? I'm racist, yeah. Okay. I'm a member of the uh, Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> oh my god, don't even fucking say that! <laughs> I'm not really. <laughs> but you've joke. said it now. That's so terrible. You don't even know the power of that in this country. That is a terrible thing to say. That's just a joke. It makes me want to shoot you, and I don't have a gun. 
I'm not. I would not have yeah. a member of the Ku Klux Klan in this house or in my my neighborhood. If I could, I'd knock the shit out of them, put a rope around the neck, and hang them from a tree. So let's not that's, pretend. That's that's. I don't going give to a their shit. Level. I don't that's give what a they shit. Do. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's not their level. They just don't need to exist. So. Yeah, but that's their that's their mo. No, it isn't. They, they don't. Ex- they don't need to exist because of their stupid ideas and their hatefulness, not because of no, the color. But of it's skin. not because I'm. Ra- I'm not racist at all. I'm, in fact, I'm very far. <laughs> yeah, but from don't racist. even joke about that. That's terrible. But, no, I can joke about that. But the movie, no, the movie can't. Bamboozled, is uh, it's a race message movie. Watch somebody take a clip of this, and they're gonna put it on the internet of you saying, "I'm a member of the Ku Klux Klan." That it's a, it's a movie that uh, is just slamming you over the head with its message. What's wrong with telling people that the world is racist? Uh, it was just too much for me. I didn't like it. I don't like Spike Lee. Yeah, I think he's got no subtlety to him whatsoever, which is better for me. But you like Preacher? There's not a subtle bone in that TV no, show's body. No, I just mean body. in terms of a a uh, message movie. Right, but if it was a message movie about not believing in a god, you'd be fine with that. Or a message movie about Pro- probably not if Spike Lee made it. <laughs> 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 so. Uh, oh, he made no. me uncomfortable. So games and A-Scully stuff this week. I played a game called Inside. It's a new game. It's on the Xbox One and the PC. It's by the guys who made Limbo. If you remember Limbo, it was a, a game that came out a few years ago. And it was all in black and white. Like a shadow game. Like shadow box theater, basically. And you were this boy who walks along and a, a, a mystery kind of unfolds along the way. It's really mainly a platform puzzle game. Inside is... It's not a sequel to Limbo, but it's the same type of game, the kind of game that they make. I don't want to spoil anything about this game because it has this weird... You, you kind of saw it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. You, you saw... I don't, I'm not going to say where it goes, but where it starts is not necessarily where it ends. It is an actual journey game. It's got some good puzzles. Um, you need to experience it yourself. Don't go and watch anything about it. Just pick it up and play it. That is the best way I can say to play it. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. It's really, really fun. The other thing uh, I wanted to mention this week is not a game, but we're watching a show called Preacher on AMC. And this week, the opening sequence was a fight scene like I have never seen in anything else. You remember this fight scene? Yep. The way it was filmed, it was like something from a movie. It's very inventive. I said to you, like, I can't believe... Like, this is really amazing. Like, it's like some... It's a fight scene. It's gruesome. It's... Inventive. It's uh, like supernatural a little bit. It's all these things into this one scene, and then when the camera started to pan out through the ho- through a hole in the wall, but the scene's still happening for a while. I I was blown away by it. It was like, uh, wow, that is. I've never thought of that, and that is a cool scene to do. So, um, if you've not been watching Preacher, I think they're they're up to like episode six now. It's on AMC. It's, it fills the slot that The Walking Dead usually is in. So maybe a lot of you have seen it. But if you haven't, go and watch it. It's a cool, cool show. It's like a crazy... I watch it and I think, this is what True Blood wanted to be. It's, I agree. It's kind of a funny, but also edgy at the same time. True Blood lost all the edge part and just became this soap opera with vampires, I thought, towards the end. <laughs> it's like, you know, lovey-dovey vampires, soap opera it lost all its shock value. I don't, I don't remember there being any lovey-dovey shit in Blue True Blood. But or sex and stuff. And <laughs> Is that how you There think? was lovey-dovey between Bill and Sookie. And that wasn't lovey-dovey. There was a though. wedding in the final episode that was just so 
Well, that's the final episode, though. Um, but that was but really true. Fun. I think True Blood lost its shock value after a few seasons. Like it, it all of a sudden, it it just didn't have that. It and didn't have the guts. Preacher the show does, does have this, yeah. But yeah. that's first. It's the first series. Yeah. First season. So. Uh, the other thing I've been reading a comic this week called Sex Criminals. I wanted to recommend it. I don't recommend comics very often. I do read a lot of them. And Preacher got me to looking at what comics were out. And this this comic called Sex Criminals. Um, it's all out now, so you don't have to wait for the next issue. You can just get the whole thing in one go. But the premise might sell you on it. The premise is, there's a girl. She grows As she's growing up, it shows you her whole growing up from being a little girl to a like 20-year-old. She starts, when she's starting to have a sexual awakening, she starts to realise that when she has an orgasm, something weird happens... And she goes to ask other girls, like, what do, you, what do they think of it? And they all think she's like, what, what are you talking about? Because when she has an orgasm, time stands still. <laughs> and when That's she, pretty good. when she goes up to other girls and says, well, look, I was playing with myself last night. And do you like that bit where, where she, she said to one girl, do you like the part where everything seems to stop and everything starts to glitter? And the girl's like, what? Like, you've got a good imagination. But actually, this girl has a superpower that when she has an orgasm, time stops. And she can control that. She can step out of her situation and go and do things in this, you know, bubble of time. She meets a guy when she's in her teenagers and she's looking for guys to... Obviously, she wants to have sex a lot because this is a fun thing to do, stop time. So she starts to experiment with different guys. But she meets a guy with exactly the same power. So they become a team. And they're called the, uh, the sex criminals. And they use this power, which is a funny power to begin with, in a criminal way to do <laughs> heists. So if that... I think that's all I need to say about it. But if that, you know, titillates you in any way, because it is a fun... I could see this being made into a TV show or a movie also. Obviously, they couldn't be as graphic. But the way Preacher has been put on, the, on the, uh, made into a TV show, this could also be... You just have to skirt around the boners and that kind of thing, right? You can't show all that stuff, which they do in the comic. So don't leave this comic hanging around and let your kids grab hold of it because it is pretty pornographic in parts. Uh, and the other thing, finally, I wanted to mention zennyoptical.com. I wanted to give them a this plug. This is not an advertisement. No, just wanted to give them a plug. Zenny, Z-E-N-N-I, optical.com. They sell glasses... How I heard of them was I followed Lifehacker on Twitter and on July the 4th they said Zenny Optical are having a sale. Uh, what was it? 20% off all glasses. Now, I wear glasses because I can't see without them. You do as well. I can see, but I'm old. Right, but I, I I've always had to wear I just wear, wear readers. Yeah, I wear long distance. I can't see further than my, the end of my arm, basically, if I hold my arm out. So I always wore glasses, and like I said to you, whenever I bought glasses in my entire life, or whenever you bought me glasses, you bought me some glasses for my birthday a few years ago, we've never got out of the opticians with a bill that's less than $400 for a pair of glasses. Don't I know it. That's just how much it... I always just, you know, every few years you're going to have to buy a pair of glasses, and that's how much it's going to cost. So when Lifehacker said, oh, this place sells cheap glasses with your prescription in them, I was a bit sceptical, because... The price was $20 for a delivered, shipped pair of glasses with a prescription in. So I decided to just, whatever, it's $20, right? I'll check this out, see if it's any good. If it's good, 
then I, I can know where to get my glasses from in future. If it's terrible, $20, I can tell you guys that it was shitty. Well, anyway, they arrived today, and... Um, Even though it said it was going to take six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks, it said. But they arrived today. You know, what you do is you, uh, you have to go and get a prescription, obviously. I already had my prescription. You fill in the numbers in the box. So, yeah, it's not going to cost you $20, because you have to you go need get a prescription. your prescription. $30 from any optician. Not every. Some, ours was 64 Right, well, it's $30 at Walmart. Yeah. I, I went and had a look. So go to Walmart, it's $30 for a prescription. You fill in your numbers, you pick a pair of frames. The frames range from, like, $8 to about $100. But the pair I chose was, like, the frame was $14, I think, or $12. They're a cool pair of frames. Um... I picked them, what, five days later? I got my glasses in the mail today. They're in a hard case. They've got a little cleaning cloth. They, it's my prescription, because I'm looking through them. Where to measure your eyeballs, my yeah, hand. Yeah, IPD, inter, interpupillary distance. So from the center of one people to the other, as you stare straight ahead, mm -hmm. you have to have someone measure it for you. You can they do it in the mirror as well. You can just use a, you you, can use a ruler. Yeah, but I mean, but. they should give you full instructions on their site yeah. how to do it. And that's literally just the distance. We did the it. Of your, yep. This is the right prescription. We had to do a consensus, though. You did it, our nephew did it, and I did it, and then we came up with the same 64 number. <laughs> minus. Yeah. But um, I looked, uh, I mean, I've looked through my prescription every day with my old pair of glasses, and I'm looking through these glasses, and everything is perfectly clear, sharp, there is nothing going on. So this is my prescription. It feels right. And for $20, I got a pair of glasses. It's <laughs> unbelievable to me that you can do that. Um, you can pay extra. You can have them polarized. You can have sunglasses, prescription sunglasses, which is very interesting to me because I do have to wear those too. So um, zenioptical.com. I can't not recommend it. I mean, for 20 bucks, even if you just try them. Um, I'm not getting anything for this, by the way. I just If I find something that I really like, I do like to tell people. I feel like, oh, well. Zappos was another one. I got a pair of trainers from there once, and I was like, this is just unbelievable. The service was so good. It came really fast. So, zenioptical.com. So, Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Jimmy John's. Also, not getting anything from them. We should really look into this advertising thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> we like to promote. But then again, if Jimmy John's started getting crappy and we got bad service, we wouldn't be able to say it. We, get bad, we don't get bad service, but we do get the wrong thing. About... Once every five 20 times. 20% of the time. Yep, yeah. exactly. 20... So it's not good. It's no. not good. But we go there a lot because I told you. In Went summer. to the grocery store. Usually, we've never... Last summer, we did Subway every Sunday, but not every day. No. And I was like, crap, I'm spending, you know, $13 a day at Jimmy John's, but I'm not going to the store, right? So today I went to the store and spent $44. The other day I went to the store and spent $25. The day before that I went and spent $22. And you, because when you're there, you buy other things. If I don't go to the store, because the reason I'm sitting here without my shirt on is to save money. And so Jimmy John's kind of saves us money. We're vegetarian. So when you make your own home sandwich that matches a Jimmy John or a Subway... You have to buy a head of lettuce and chop yeah. it up and store it. You have to buy that. No, I'm not saying that's hard or anything. That's fine. But when I'm hot and irritated about being hot, um, I just want to not be irritated and having to do stuff like that in the kitchen. And I find Jimmy John's really a delicious sandwich. It I is. actually feel fulfilled after eating it. It is. It's delicious. It's the right size. It's fresh. Now, my problem lately is I'm thinking that, I don't know, you never know about the gluten situation, but I don't care enough, I guess, to not eat it, so... So, yeah, Jimmy John's, it's yummy. What's your uh, 
advice for this week? Don't get on there. I don't have anything on there, but I would say for this week, um, stop blaming everybody for your problems. You know, now there's a line that goes down very strictly for me between the people who cause you actual harm and problems that you can point to and say they are the reason they are the person who committed a crime against me. That is the person who punched me in the face. That is the person who stole my purse. Uh, that is the person who broke my heart. You know, like if, you, if you're loyal to someone that you love and then they cheat on you and abandon you or whatever. That is a person who has done something bad to you. Beyond that, right, I get sick and tired of people blaming the president or the presidential nominees, either one, for whatever reasons. Uh, they blame the governor, they blame the city council, they blame the police, they blame different races, they blame a lot of people for a lot of shit. And most of the time, your problems are your own fault. And I don't know if fault's the right word, but it's your choices that lead you down a path. If last year you had a really expensive vehicle because you just got a really high-paying job because this company was hiring, and then over the course of the year they decide to downsize and either lower your salary or you had to move on because you've been downsized. Okay, it's nobody's problem that you bought an expensive vehicle except for you. Your expectations of life were measured by how much money you were going to have and your happiness was now tied up in a vehicle or a house or something else, a summer home that you can no longer afford because you lost your job. Well, there's not a, there's not a, Yes, everything is linked in the world. That's the way the universe works. But there's not a direct line from Washington to my checking account. Not a direct line. It's a very indirect line. It all is connected at some point. But I cannot blame someone that I'm turning off my air conditioner so I can save $300 in the summertime. Like, I can't blame anyone for that except for myself for buying a house with an air conditioner and the electric bill that costs me up to two to $300 a month. That's my choice. Nobody did it to me. Now, if somebody came along and all of a sudden, like Marshall Rule took over and they said, every house payment from now on is $3,000 and if you don't pay it with it, on the day that it's due, you're all getting drug out in the street and shot in the head. Well, I, I actually had no control over that. That sounds harsh. It does, I'm saying. That is a situation where that thing that thing was out of my control and yet if that were the situation and it sucked really bad and I was going to get drug out in the street because lord knows I wouldn't be able to pay it um, that's kind of how life goes it sucks and I'm also diseases of course and ill children or anyone passing away in your life those aren't things you have power over or control over and they're, you're perfectly of course entitled to be destroyed because of them and to have that affect your life and your choices but then you have to look in the mirror and say, I made that choice. I was grieving. I was distraught. I was destroyed because my husband left me. I was really, really destroyed because my mother passed away. And therefore, I made these choices after that. You still made those choices. You know? And I'm not exempt from bad things happening in life and then having to make choices after them. And then looking back and going, ah, you know what? My, <laughs> my uh, perception of life at that point was askew. <laughs> the love boat. That's my mother calling. <laughs> Try to stop it. <laughs> yeah, the love boat is your ringtone. <laughs> it is. And that's my mother calling. <laughs> Probably but, on her way down. 
No, she's not. Oh my god, don't worry about it. She'll come when she comes. Um, but that's my advice. Stop blaming everybody for your problems. Or anybody, for that matter. Unless it's easily provable. If you were saying your problems to me, just think about it that way. What would Cindy say? I'm Cindy, by the way. Sid. Would she say it wasn't really their fault? Or would she say it's my own choice? You know, not that I'm a measure of anything, but... Just stop blaming everybody for shit. That's All right. It. That is it. So I want to remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sit.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Music Store if you're an Android, or the iTunes Music Store on Apple iPhones. You can also catch the RSS feed, aschoolie.com slash podcast. Uh, subscribe on anything, including a uh, PC. You can email feedback to me at aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. And uh, finally, happy birthday to me. I am 47 years old on Monday. Ta-da, ta-da. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. Yes. And stay, stay classy me. Stay classy you. And uh, think for yourself or somebody will do it for you.